Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with eyes, the inimitable, the iconic, and the surprisingly introverted... Mary Abijay. Oh, Chris Santa, that was a good one. I didn't think to use introverted. Hi, everybody. I am the highly functioning introverted Mary Abijay. <laughs> and I would like to introduce my co-host to you, the imaginative, the illustrious, and the irresistible Mr. Chris Santis. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing well. You know, I put iconic in there because I think you are iconic. You're kind of a role model. God, you, that's you, the you, nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Thank you. I really, that's really, I don't mean, I'm without words. That's really sweet. Uh, let me ask you a question though. What's the difference between iconic and iconoclastic? Oh, an iconoclast. Oh, that's, I'd have to look iconoclast off. And yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I can't tell you at the moment. I, iconic, of course, is a, a model. So an icon, right. iconoclast would have to build on a model. So maybe they are the category. Would it be a meta icon? <laughs> would it be something well, I'm so? Trying to th yeah, we are, I know we're just presuming our ignorance at some point. I, we'll have to, we could, if we had our chat bot, we could look this, we could we get could. a statement. Chat GBT yeah. could, would give us a whole show on it. So who knows? Maybe our producer will like get us the answer at some point during the show. But in the meantime, there'd be information that'd be fun to have. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about information. But what we're really talking about is when it's too much information. So you know the old expression, uh, in, uh, information is power. But when is mm -hmm. information not power? When is too much information a dilemma? Uh, when are there things that you know that you'd be better off not knowing if you know what I mm. mean? Uh, so my question, can that be paralyzing to you? So Chris, my first question to you before we get to, um, we've got four questions today from readers who are getting too much information. Uh, my, mm -hmm. So but I want to ask you before we get to our listeners is, uh, have you ever been privy to information that you shouldn't have. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. I was trying to think of that in terms of the workplace, uh, and I'm I was never I've never been in the secrets of the workplace. I mean, I was never privy to. I didn't overhear anything or anything like that. People being let go or or, or strategies or anything like that. But in the in my life, I, I have lots of friends who are couples, and uh -huh. it's, I don't know if you have this experience. But and they confide when, things to you that you wish you didn't know. <laughs> Yes. Well, about each other. Yeah. You know, they might say something about the other and then you can't say anything. You can't, you, you can't, you can't take a side. You just sort of take it in and then you just sit on it. Yeah. But that's because you, you, you realize that there are two sides to every story. And so, well, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, th now that you mentioned it, I've been in that position several, several times. I was, mm -hmm. I was once, my husband and I were once away for the weekend with a bunch of, a group of friends. There's like six or eight of us. I can't remember. And the wife was pulling me outside, telling me about an affair she was having, uh, while the <laughs> husband was pulling my husband aside, telling me that he was afraid that his wife was having an affair. <laughs> we oh, just no. like, and Chris and I were just like, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> like, so it was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty awkward. They ended up getting divorced. Oh, speaking of uh, 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 different sides, uh, we just heard from our producer that an iconoclast is one who attacks 
or destroys traditional or popular ideas or institutions. So it's kind of the anti-icon, I guess. It's the the anti-icon. Well, you have the icon and then they destroy that which is iconic. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Hey, look, look at this information. It's now helped me. (laughs) I don't know how, but I'm sure it will. Um, All right. So our first question, if you are ready for it, Mm-hmm. is about what to do. It's from Two Juicy and Queens. And this person heard a little bit of info they shouldn't have. Dear Cubicle Confidential, I work for a small marketing firm. We have about 15 employees. I really like my job and my colleagues. It's very much a family-like atmosphere. Recently, I overheard my boss talking about selling our company. I'm sure I was not supposed to hear this shocking news. And quite frankly, I'm stunned and I'm worried. What should I do? Signed, too juicy to keep quiet in Queens. Hmm. Well, this one I thought was pretty um, straightforward in the sense that if you like the company and it's a family-like atmosphere, I suspect you like your boss as well. So I'd probably do two things. First, I would talk to your boss and say what you said um, what you said to us in the question, what's the situation and how's it going to impact us? So if if it's only after you get the answer, will you probably know what to do, right? I would also ask uh, when he planned to share the news with the rest of the staff, because you got to remind them that if we are a family, that uh, they they could be helpful if they knew what was going on. And if they don't know what's going on, they could be resentful. So in that sense, um, at some point you have to tell them, and at what point does it become awkward? What point does it become awkward? Yeah. So I think more. Uh, the second, another thing I might do is while you're, you know, while you're on it, is dust off your resume. <laughs> yeah, you we think? Don't know, <laughs> yeah, right. Because we don't know what's going to happen, and you might as well see what your worth is in the marketplace. Because if there is a new management, you want a bargaining chip as to see what your value is relative to what your other options are. So, uh, in case you actually have to jump ship. Yeah. So, what about you, Mary? I, you yeah, I totally different? agree. I think I think you basically have two choices. Uh, one is uh, don't say anything and just carry on. And the second choice right. is to go uh, talk with your boss about that. But I would say no matter which one you choose, keep your pie hole shut around other people in the company. Uh, don't say anything to anybody about this because uh, it takes a long time to sell a business. And you don't know mm. whether or not the sale is actually happening. If the boss is just like uh, starting to uh, look at options. So don't say anything to anyone else in the company. That would be the worst thing to do. So either say nothing and carry on or talk to the boss. And you know, you've got to also remember this, as Chris was saying, this could actually be an opportunity for you when small businesses sell. And I've, I have a couple of friends who have sold similar types similar size businesses. Um, but when small businesses sell, especially in professional services, the owner often stays on for a while. Often that owner has kind of what we call the golden handcuffs to stay mm-hmm. on for a year, two years, three years. Because what the buyer is buying is actually your client relationships. And because your owner probably had, because it's a marketing firm, probably had a lot to do with those. I wouldn't, I would suspect that if the company sells, nothing's going to change right away. Uh, Mm. And so, so I think you have time to get your resume in order. You have time to start looking around, which by the way, is going to be a good thing to do. As Chris said, it's going to give you a bargaining chip. Uh, But you know, it takes a while to sell a firm. And oftentimes, 
sometimes uh, things fall through at the last minute. A friend of mine just mm-hmm. sold her marketing firm and her first two offers fell through like two thirds of the way through. Uh, so don't panic yet. That's why I don't want you to say anything to anyone else in the company because these things take a while to happen and the change could be positive uh, and it'll probably be a long time before any change happens. Oh, that's good advice, Mary. It reminded me of a story that I had an experience, really quick story, is that I was approached once by a man who owned a training company and he wanted to sell it. And I had done some contract work for them at one point and he approaches me to buy it. And then he explains the situation. Yeah, I want to sell you the the content of my firm here, but my son will continue to work there as the sales person. I said, well, what is, what? no, that's going to be part of the contract. So you're telling me that I have to hire your son who has all of the sales contacts in this firm. And then I would pay for all of your material. And he now has the control over whether or not I get access to the clients that I, 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 I own because I have no other recourse than to keep him employed. Oh That's my God. And so you said that would be a big no thank you to buying your business. <laughs> I wonder if he was able to sell it to anybody. I don't know. I just thought, what a terrible offer. Because I was thinking, well, why don't you just sell it to your son? Yeah. He said, well, because he didn't, because his son wouldn't come. You see, yeah. this was free money yeah. if he sold it to somebody else. Well, and he, plus his a- son probably didn't know how to do the training, but his son could have just hired trainers. You know, yeah. these people have no business owning businesses. That's all I got to say. Well, it was really <laughs> strange anyway. I'm sorry. But anyway, there, we're, we're I think we helped. I think we did. I think we did. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. So too juicy. Good luck with that. If you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Our next question is from Silently Waiting in Spring Ridge. Dear Mary and Chris, My colleague and I have been at our company together for seven years, hired at the same time. I just found out that I make more than them, a lot more. Now that I know, I'm crazy with worry that they will discover this too. I feel like my salary is printed on my forehead. We have a warm relationship as co-workers and as friends. We barbecue together on the weekends, and we also are on the same bowling team. I'm certain that this information will blow everything up when they find out. And I'm sure they will find out. I feel like the glass is already broken. Now what? Signed, silently waiting in Spring Ridge. Well, you know, the first thing I want to say is, who's on a bowling team anymore? Like... I'm secretly kind of jealous. Like I would love to go bowling once a week. How fun! I'm from Ohio. I love bowling, but I we should go bowling when I'm in uh, DC. We don't have any bowling. We have well, that's not true. We have those expensive new fangled bowling alleys. You know, like the whatever they're called, and they're they're basically like discotheques with uh, with lanes, and they're very loud and expensive. Um, Anyway, Chris, what do you think? that silently waiting oh, should do. Well, first off, I want to say congrats on being a better salary negotiator. Maybe that's it, right? <laughs> that's right. Or a better performer over the course of seven years. Yeah. Uh, what you are not in this scenario is to be blamed for where you are and where they are not. So uh, from the sounds of it, you're an honest person that if confronted, you'll tell your friend that there is a, you knew about the salary discrepancy. If that's the case, you have to weigh what will happen if and when you share it with this person. His or her first reaction will be surprised and they're going to get angry, but they can't be angry with you. You've got to help them get through this. How could this have happened? Uh, what Was it because you started at X and then they started at Y? 
Was your performance better and rewarded better over the course of time? These things accumulate over time, right? And it, make, and it can make a big difference. So, you know, 3% raise for seven years over a, over a base that's higher makes a big difference. Once you understand what happened, then you can help them come up with a plan to bump up their play uh, their pay so they can present that to their boss. They, you help them build the business case. You can only do what you can control. And if this person goes along with it, great. If not, it's their choice, but you did what you could do. That's how I see it. Yeah. You know, um, well said. I, I, com I completely agree and applaud what you said. You know, there's so, you know, the pay, there's so many different reasons. Uh, not, not all of them are good reasons, but there's lots of different reasons why there's so much pay disparity for the same job. Uh, you yeah. know, we know gender, we know experience, we know better negotiating starting points. Um, we also, what we don't know in this question is, you know, what was your experience coming into this job? Like, did you both exactly. have equal experience? Good one. So I agree. Do not feel like you're to blame. Um, if this was me, I might be tempted to do nothing until he finds out. And then once, I think that's right. And then once he finds out, I would feign shock, surprise, and then express my outrage. Like I'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that." And then I would be express my genuine outrage because he he is worried about that. And then, as you said, yeah. help him strategize strategize ways to get paid more. But we do know if it's a significant uh, salary differential, silently waiting's pal pal their friend probably is going to have to leave the company to get a big raise because it's really hard yeah. to get like that kind of a of a bump within your organization. I, I agree. I think that's good advice. I would act surprised. Wasn't that in Casablanca? They're gambling. They're gambling. Oh man, you're dressed. Yeah, I would. I would I'm act shocked. totally shocked and surprised. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think that's the way to go with this. Um, it's interesting because uh, uh, I was looking into this uh, for for other reasons about this whole idea of pay transparency, which is not a bad thing. No, I love pay transparency. Well, it, no, there's actually some evidence about this. There's a downside to it as well. It, what it does is it's really good for lower paid workers because that, that raises the, the base for everybody. But, and it's also good for gender disparity, which is not bad, but it puts a cap on everybody, everybody's. So what it does in effect is it lowers the range of what everyone can get relative to what you could possibly get. So, well, okay, I'm going to have to quibble with that because I've done a lot of research to pay transparency as well. And we actually did a show on it. And I don't necessarily think it puts a cap, it puts people into bands, which it should. It forces organizations to be a little bit more structured about how they're paying people. They could always oh, yeah. raise the cap based on new information or different levels of, of, uh, of experience. But what it does is it keeps me from saying, you know what, Chris, I like you more, so I'm going to pay you 30% more than everybody else. I mean, you still could, but you'd have to be transparent about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're, you're, but m the point of the study was, in this case, was if, if this is the band, and therefore you are particularly good in terms of your performance, they will always say, I'm sorry, but the band only lets us go 2%. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying organizations no will use yeah. this as an excuse not to pay people more. Exactly. Yeah. They're using it that way. And that's some of the evidence is showing that while it does raise the, the, the fairness amount, but everyone as a consequence makes less. As a, Yeah. Well, you know who does it that way? Hmm. The federal government. 
Uh, Most governments do that. Most governments have uh, levels like SE, you know, GSA, GS10, 12, and then there's bands and there's ranges in that bands. And then they, they have to, they put caps on those bands. Ah, uh, yeah, grades. They have grades, right? Is that what they call it? Yeah, Grading or yeah. yeah. Uh, grade levels. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, so with silently waiting, I don't see. I don't really see a lot of upside to bringing this to his attention. No, um, no way. Because you know, no it's way. always shoot the messenger. So exactly, and if, you're associated with the problem. Yeah, and if you want him to find out, if you don't want to wait for him to find out, you know, you could send him something anonymous. Right. Great. <laughs> and to get to get the process moving. Well, good luck silently like waiting. That would be a hard position to be in to know that you're the recipient well, of be, largesse. You know what I would do? Uh, be generous when you have to buy around. Yeah, this I like that. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. All right. Are you ready for our next question? I am. All right. This one is from I Know Too Much in Manassas. Dear Cubicle Confidential, I work for a tech company that supports federal government agencies. We are hiring like crazy, and it is increasingly difficult to find quality talent. Recently, a job candidate reached out to learn about my experience at our company. Apparently, HR provided them with some names of folks to connect with so they could learn more about the company. Specifically, they want to know what it's like to work for my boss. To be honest, my boss is a jerk and very difficult to work with. I'm torn because on one hand, it would be great to fill our open positions, but on the other hand, I don't want to mislead someone. Ugh, what should I tell them? Signed, I know too much in Manassas. 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 It's right outside uh, Washington, D.C. It's where like oh, okay. all the federal contractors have offices. Uh, Chris, before I turn this question over to answer, over for to you to answer, yeah. my, my verb object like connections today are all cray cray. Um, <laughs> I sound like, not Yoda, who's like the 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 the, the character that talks like in like, mixes up his words that's what i sound oh. like today oh no i was gonna say from um oh, what was that move uh the tv show where uh they he was the um oh, oh it's it, from the 70s oh it was Alf? A, it was the 70s no 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 it was he's the uh he he uh, was the kung fu kung fu okay <laughs> um but okay. so before we get to answering the question what do you think about hr giving out names of employees for candidates to speak with well, again, I think it has a lot to do with the company that the, the, that they're doing this. With. I mean, some companies are very forthright about these are our employees. Yeah. So talk to anyone. I, I would say Zappos probably does that because they're the ones, they're the company that says, if you don't tell us you don't like it, it will pay you to leave if you don't. So in that sense, I think some of their culture encourages transparency. Yeah. The, the, the downside of this is right. Just having random people that sort of run loose throughout and have names of information. I, I think you have to have a policy around, okay, what, what, what is consistent what we can do here? Yeah. I, I actually really like the idea of HR oh, like being it, transparent but- because I mean, I think it shows, it shows like we are a transparent culture. If you want to find yes. out what it's like to work here, here are some employees you can talk to. I, I think it's really helpful. 
Well, I, again, in, in theory I, I, and in general, I, I yeah, exactly. I, I like the idea, but again, the, the, the question then becomes how, what is the scale of the company? Yeah, yeah, or of course. Who, what level you're talking to, you know, those kinds of things you would have to put some uh, guardrails around. Probably. But that, the, I don't want them calling the CEO. No, <laughs> no. But I mean, I think what, I mean, I think from what I gather from this question, they were like, they gave them some names of some of their would be potential peers oh, within yeah, the, um, that's what I right. assume. But anyway, all right. Yeah, I'm going to work in that. But department. I think this is a new thing that HR companies are doing. Am I right? I don't know if it's a new thing. I, I think it's a prudent thing because again, the, if, if we have things like Glassdoor and, and the vault where, uh, where people are, are already reporting on these companies, we might as well get ahead of the curve and say, well, why don't you just talk to an yeah, employee who's actually it. here versus somebody who left? All right. Perfect. Uh, so okay. I know too much Manassas. What advice oh, yeah. do you have for them? Here's what I got going on here. Uh, there's an old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And the point of this is, this is a delicate situation in that uh, you're going to give the candidate a description of your boss that you share that you would share with a friend, that you would share with a friend. And in no uncertain terms, you think this guy or this person is a jerk. But this is a, a job candidate. And what if they repeated that back to HR that, well, I didn't take the job because apparently the, the guy I'd be working for is a complete asshole. Uh, so that could likely get back to your boss. So I think you have to state the facts, but you might also ask this candidate what he or she is looking for in the job. Step away from the boss. Is this what you could... Uh, it's it's what you can learn about their career advancement. Is it is it about uh, the kind of work they're doing? Is it the pay? Once you understand the drivers of their choices, that's the aspects of the firm you can align with in the pitch. Now, um, you would also ask the, the have the person describe their ideal boss and tell them on a scale of one to ten how close this person is to it. Based on what your ideal boss is, that's all you have to say. I would say this person's a five. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The point is that that's his idea of what is important to him. Now, if you rate that person on low on the scale, which you probably will do, they're going to say, why'd you say that? Okay. Here's where it gets you. Rather than be inauthentic and say your boss is this, uh, it, it's difficult to you, of course, uh, you have to frame it more neutrally. I think you have to frame it. Say, for instance, he's not friendly becomes he's curt and direct. He doesn't exchange, explain things becomes he expects to know the answers. So be prepared. So preparation is the key. And my point that now, if worse comes to worse and the, you know, and you're terribly uncomfortable, just say, I'm really in no place to say either way, you should meet him and make up your own mind. All right. Th that's how the, that's the advice I give. Those advice were I great ideas. I love them. Uh, so if I could just summarize them, Chris basically <laughs> says, no, no, they were great, but it was like, you want to be honest, but diplomatic. So you were kind of yes. reframing. I really like the idea of finding out from them what they're looking for in a boss and then saying, well, on this level, he, she, or they are here. Uh, and that went, right. I think that was really, really clever. Um, I really think that was very, very clever. So I'm trying Thank to think you. what I have to add to it, you know, because I agree with you. My fear would be that the candidate uh, might not have the appropriate discretion uh, to not rat right. you out for ratting out your exactly. boss. Exactly. Uh, so you want to talk about that? Um, I, you know, I'd come up with an idea of uh, of a pros and cons list, uh, but I really like your idea better, which is to get them to come up with their dream boss. And I also right. agree that you know, one man's trash is another woman's treasure, uh, and that you know, because 
because you find this boss difficult doesn't mean everybody can. So I think you want to exactly. give a balanced, a balanced, a balanced, um, a balanced answer. And you know, the other thing is, you know, you said, uh, I, um, uh, I know too much says that the boss is difficult and a jerk, but you know, a difficult boss isn't not, isn't necessarily a reason not to take a job. Um, right. A toxic boss is, but you can learn mm -hmm. a lot from a difficult boss. So you could even say, you know, my boss is a little difficult to work for sometimes and the work is great. Uh, I've learned a ton. I mean, so there's ways I think you can ma massage this message. I agree. You know, the one thing we didn't even consider, though, and I, I didn't consider because I, I just as you were speaking, it, it, it just came to mind is we should be interviewing this person as a colleague, too. Yeah. I might learn. I don't want this guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And then I might say, oh, my this boss is a bear, a bear. Well, you will not survive. That's right. You know, and the other thing is if you if you sugarcoat it too much for this person and they yes. become a colleague, oh. and then they're like, WTF? Like, how did you not tell me that this person was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? So I do think it's interesting. But I love this whole idea, back to the transparency of talking with employees, because uh, this helps I think is another guardrail for organizational yeah. culture, right? Oh, um, yeah. If if people oh, are yes. going to be honest, especially these kind of organizations, I know a ton of these organizations, keeping talent is really hard for these organizations because there's so much demand for them. So I think it's a really interesting strategy. Do they, because um, I know some organizations pay people if they find them candidates. Yeah. A lot of them do. Yeah. They get like yeah. a $3,000 bonus or something. I don't know about my only concern with much. that pay not, not necessarily it's a bad thing, but my concern with that is then the motive is not so much to tell the truth anymore. Yeah. But I, I think, I think that would be, you're talking about the person that brings them in the, because you like, you wouldn't get the money if you're just one of the people being asked about the company, you'd have to be the one that. No, no, I'm talking it. about yeah. if I find a candidate. Well, my, my theory, my, my plan on that would be, I would, I'd be okay with a reward attached to that on the anniversary on their, on the first anniversary year anniversary of the new employee stay. Okay. I disagree, but you we have time for the next question. <laughs> We're going to oh, move sorry. on. <laughs> Chris DeSantis just wants to take us off into a whole nother question. And yeah, I, I have I, I have a listener who's waiting for the answers to his or her question. And Chris, you're going to love this question. And this okay, question is from a listener uh, named My Ears Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mary and Chris, help. I have a great job working for a commercial property management company. My problem, my boss won't shut up. Every time I ask him even the simplest question, he responds with an epic diatribe. He's not mean, he just over talks and over explains everything. It's simply information overload. We call him the bloviator behind his back. Is there anything I can do to get him either to shut up or just be more succinct? Signed, my ears hurt in Hartford. Oh, I get it. You were saying this question's about me. Is that what you're saying? I was I get not it. saying that was very mean. That is so that. I don't even think I want to answer the question now. I'm not talking anymore. I was not saying that at all. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible. Oh, Jack, she's horrible. <laughs> what I put up with. I give and I give. All right. I'll answer it anyway. All right. All right. 
Okay, here's the first thing I would do in this case. If you have very simple questions, don't ask them. What you do <laughs> email is email them. them. <laughs> of course, text and email them. That's what you do with the hard, the simple questions. The hard ones, absolutely. This guy is going to give you a lot of details. So the hard questions is where I go in, right? Um, the other way is I don't think you're going to get him to change uh, his behavior by having a conversation. I think at best, what I think you might need is an intervention. Uh, you might consider doing some kind of 360 feedback on this, you know, do a sort of have everyone talk about what's going on here. If you can rope the team into doing it, allow everyone to say what everyone has been saying behind his back as the blovenator. <laughs> so in that one, the other third option I was going to recommend, but I'm not happy with my co-host anymore. But I was thinking <laughs> that we would have Mary come in and act as a facilitator to sit down with the team and talk about what's working or what's not. But now I've learned she'll just be mean. She'll just simply be mean. But if she uses that model of start, stop, and continue, then the whole team can talk about what, what we need to do better as, as a team. And this is probably one of the things that could be addressed in that kind of space. Anyway, that's what I'd go Those with. are great ideas. And Chris, I honestly wasn't referring to you. Just coincidence. Just coincidence. <laughs> it was just too juicy not to like connect those two because it was great. Um, no, oh, I think Chris is right. Like, Be careful what you ask him. Or her, I think it's a yeah. him. They called him a him. Uh, simple questions, email, text. Uh, the other thing you can do is you could politely um, just interrupt and say, I'm sorry, I just need a yes or no answer. Or, I'm sorry. Um, let me go back to that point. I want to make sure I understood. You said we should do X, Y, Z. Is that right? Yes. Great. Thanks. Oh, got to go. Like I literally, literally the other day, my husband and I were, we were hosting a bunch of people for dinner and I asked him a simple yes, no question. And he was just going on and on. And I looked at him, I said, is it yes or is it no? Because I got a roast in the oven. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and it was very funny. Everyone started laughing. So I think, yeah, I mean. Well, you know, you've got, hit on another good idea. What? Always ask him questions when he's in transit, in transit to go to the restroom or to the you know lunch or somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Or where he has to, or to a meeting. Exactly. You have to wait and know his his timing so he doesn't have the time. Or you got to tag team the stuff with your your colleagues. So like go in together. Have one. You oh. ask a question. He starts to answer. Once you have your answer, then have the colleague interrupt with another question. Oh, by the way, boss, I need oh. to know X Y Z. Or you have a third colleague out in the hallway who's calling his phone right then and there. So that he has yeah, to stop and right. pick it up. So, you know, I do, yeah, that's I find this behavior really annoying. Like, and I yeah, think extroverts I, tend to do this more than introverts. Um, and asses on the Myers-Briggs, they just want to give you every detail. And I just like, uh, shut up. Uh, I don't need to know all that. No, in fact, that's, it's one of the maxims of good conversation is to be clear, succinct, and unambiguous. You know, so succinct is one of the critical components here. I love that's it. A, one, yeah, I know. This I tell person is not. That. Yeah, no, I tell my team when they want to talk to me, be brief, be brilliant, and then be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of being gone, it is time for us to say sayonara uh, to this week's episode. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Big thanks to our amazing, overworked, underpaid, and definitely non-bloviating uh, Mr. Jack Edinger, uh, our producer. Uh, if you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout, a short shout. <laughs> 
<laughs> no question is too large. No question is too small. Lots of ways to reach us. Email us, which is our preference, to info at cubicleconfidential.com. Tweet us at cubicleconfide1. Or connect with us on LinkedIn, Chris DeSantis and Mary Abujay. We are not hard to find. And as you go on your work week, be kind, work hard, and please shut your pie holes when you've already answered a question. Don't bloviate. And if you can't, Chris, what should they do? I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week.